a man decided that uh, he would buy cheap meat in France, smuggle it across the border, and sell it for a higher price in Switzerland. Now, how did the police get onto this guy? I mean, was there blood running down his fender? Welcome to Bloomberg Benchmark, a podcast about the global economy. I'm Dan Moss, Executive Editor for Economics. Joining me this week in a special one-off is Joe Weisenthal, whom you may recognize as the co-host of Odd Lots. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm really excited to uh, be here. And we're excited too. Well, you know, Joe, as you and I have often discussed, too often the study of economics and exchange rates can become very arcane. We find ourselves asking, well, what does this mean in real life? What does it mean for the person in the street? Or as we find out today, the person in the car. Right. I mean, often there are some obvious ways that economics can affect us, uh, whether we have a job or not, our mortgage. These are sort of the go-to examples that uh, people would cite all the time for real-world examples. But there's tons of other ones. And as uh, we'll discuss today, some very interesting, surprising ramifications that happen uh, due to things like exchange rates. Right. So this is as much a story about meat smuggling and about packing all that steak and chicken and pork into the trunk of your car and driving across the border as it is about exchange rates. Smuggling. That's what modern day smuggling is like in this era of free-floating currencies. It's not a couple of guys in the right. basement of the House of Commons in <laughs> London with a keg of gunpowder. Right. I think typically one imagines smuggling, maybe they think of drug smuggling, some sort of subterfuge to take an illegal uh, good across a border or get something out of a country that's not supposed to leave. But sometimes it's essentially a form of arbitrage. But this meat smuggling, uh, you know, is and economic crimes like it are on the rise, uh, particularly in Switzerland, and that's a function of monetary policy and the strength of the Swiss franc. I knew it was strong, but I didn't realize how strong. In the last ten years, it's appreciated against the euro, which is a currency that its neighbors, the Switzerland's neighbors, share by more than fifty percent, more than any other major currency. Right, and that 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 huge swing is kind of twofold. I mean, one, the euro has been exposed to be deeply flawed over the last several years. The economy really hasn't gotten going. There are fundamental questions about its existence. And then not only that, but Switzerland is this pocket of stability, not just by European standards, but by global and historical standards. So at a time when there's so much uncertainty in the world, people pile into the Swiss franc when they're nervous, when they are looking for something to do with their money that's safe. So you have this extreme divergence between the strength of the uh, Swiss currency, the franc, and all of its uh, direct neighbors. And it's rapidly becoming a pocket of retail economic crime, as our guest our colleague Catherine Bosley, an economics reporter for Bloomberg in Zurich, is about to explain to us. So, Catherine, this is a story about a car, the border, a trunk full of meat, and a confession that this has been going on for 15 years. We'll get to the cash in the sunglasses case later. Hi. Well, we've got the case of a man who was arrested um, in the French-speaking part of Switzerland carrying 80 kilograms of fresh meat a few months ago. Um, and he was then interrogated by the border officials. 
and it turned out that he'd been uh, spiriting meat across the border for 15 years, including 27 tons of lamb, 18 tons of beef, and 12 tons of chicken. He now owes back customs duty of about a million francs, which is almost a million dollars, and also, of course, faces criminal proceedings. Now, Joe, you actually had some barbacoa for breakfast that you prepared for yourself. What goes through your mind when you hear this? That's exactly right. I, I had made some barbacoa in my uh, slow cooker, so I, I've been eating it for the last three days. So, you know, in France and Switzerland, meat is plenty plentiful. It's available. It's not like it's not All those in cows grazing store. on the hillside. Right. It's not like there's a shortage of meat in either country. So what fundamentally makes this an attractive smuggle? Well, the prices in Switzerland are considerably higher even uh, than in France. And of course, in addition, you've got the currency effect. So obviously, a man decided that uh, he would buy cheap meat in France, smuggle it across the border and sell it for a higher price in Switzerland. Now, how did the police get onto this guy? I mean, was there blood running down his fender? No, there are uh, there are quite uh, strict import restrictions to Switzerland. You may bring in 300 francs worth of items a day, and for certain foodstuffs, there are additional rules. Uh, for example, I believe for meat, it's one kilogram per person per day. Anything above that has to be declared, and you have to pay customs duty. So there are inspections, snap inspections, all over the place, and uh, it was uh, such an inspection that nabbed this guy. So it was just pure bad luck? Probably, yes. Yeah, and so you mentioned that you can move one kilogram of meat per day across the border for personal, non-commercial reasons. I actually lived in uh, Geneva for one semester when I was uh, in college studying abroad, and I remember I, I was studying French, and I was uh, with my French teacher, and we actually briefly crossed the border into France, and I didn't have my passport with me that day. But they didn't even bother to check. Uh, so these are pretty loose, porous borders typically, right? Indeed, that's the case, especially in the Geneva area. It's very – one road just continues, and suddenly you're in the other country. So how often do you – meaning as an average representative of the Swiss population, not that you're really average in anything, but <laughs> how often does the typical Swiss person go to France, Germany, or Italy to do their shopping? Well, according to a study by Credit Suisse, um, one in 10 francs uh, in retail spending is spent abroad. So that's a pretty big chunk of, of uh people's budgets. So here's my question. You know, theoretically, from a macroeconomic standpoint, exchange rates are supposed to adjust, uh, you know, in a pure sort of free trade uh, sort of framework, the that that shouldn't really happen, that the price of meat is so different that it's worth smuggling, risking prosecution by the law. It should be the balancing out effect. So what prevents a balancing out of the Swiss franc and the euro, such as to render this an uncompelling arbitrage? Well, in, in the case of the Swiss franc, it's also a popular uh, investment for mm. investors who want a safe place to park their money, especially in, in the euro area during the Greek debt crisis. 
people wanted to move out of euros and into assets of a different denomination. So the franc has faced uh, quite a bit of appreciation pressure, as Dan said uh, earlier in our talk. And um, obviously, the central bank is using a policy of negative interest rates and currency market interventions to try and weaken it. But the fact that the uh, Swiss franc remains strong, uh, overvalued, as the central bank says, means that this uh, meat arbitrage opportunity (laughs) remains attractive. And and there's an element of price insensitivity among franc buyers. They don't really care that it's expensive. They don't really care that they're getting negative interest rates. All these people just want to be assured that their money will still exist there tomorrow, will still be safe. And so this sort of inherent overvaluation doesn't go away because they're not really buying it for valuation reasons. Is that correct? Indeed, that is correct, yes. Now, Kathy, the customs official you spoke to after this trunk steak bust told you that economic crimes like this are on the rise and they're anticipating more of them. What does that say about where the Swiss populace thinks the exchange rate is going? Well, I guess the uh, that would tell us that uh, we expect uh, the overvaluation of the franc to continue or even potentially to be uh, exacerbated. Now, the day after you informed the world of the Swiss stake heist, you also published a story about a missing sunglasses case mm. that had the equivalent of $30,000 in cash stuffed into it. And this guy just turns up at a police station and says, oh, yeah, that's mine. And the cops said, well, okay, fine, it must be yours. What is going on with Switzerland at the moment? Talk to us about the sunglasses case. Well, there was a case of uh, a 49-year-old Dutch man apparently found this glasses case stuffed with 28,000 euros uh, in, in a pile of snow in, 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 uh, in the city of Zurich and uh, correctly turned it into the police. And they have a um, ledger at the lost and found office where you can also report things that are missing. And sure enough, someone had in fact reported 28,000 euros missing. They then um, contacted the claimant, and he was uh, he had to answer some additional questions. And uh, but lo and behold, he seems to have been the rightful owner. So why? That's my question too. Why? Why so much money? Well, it seems yes, it's a lot of money to stick into a sunglasses case. And if I read your story correctly, the cops thought this was completely unremarkable that someone would <laughs> then turn up and say, "Oh yeah, that that's mine. Oh okay, here you go. Sign here, sir." I don't think that they thought it was so very unremarkable since they did put a press release out about this, um, but. There was a case a few months ago where uh, 6,000 francs uh, were also found, um, and a very similar uh, situation. A pensioner uh, turned them in, and um, the uh, rightful owner was found. Is it just the case that people hold a lot of cash in Switzerland? Is it a cultural thing? I mean, uh, what is why hold so much cash at all? If that were to happen here in the U.S., I think people would be pretty suspicious that they're up to no good. I mean, there are certainly reasons why someone might hold cash for whatever reason, but we have like a default assumption, I think, that if you found out someone had $28,000 in cash on their person, that they would probably, you might suspect that they were engaged in some sort of illegal activity. And in a sunglasses case, In no a less. sunglasses case especially. Well, when I 
spoke to the police about the 6,000 francs several months ago, they did in fact say that usually the amounts turned in are much smaller. Um, it is true that the Swiss do like to pay with cash, although, of course, you can find uh, cards, uh, credit card readers everywhere. There is a certain propensity to pay with cash. Um, the Swiss National Bank has a thousand franc note, and um, they have been quite uh, quite clear that they will not scrap that because it is part of the, part of the culture to pay with cash. They won't the do 20- a Modi. No, uh, but the 20, 28,000 euros is uh, quite exceptional. So what does all this say about Swiss society and the um, sentiment among Swiss consumers right now? Well, um, the Swiss economy is um, has found itself uh, onto more stable footing after the exchange rate shock that they had in 20, early 2015 when the central bank gave up its cap on the franc. Um, nevertheless, growth uh, is, is still not as uh, fast as people would like to see it, of course. And um, in, the, in particular, the retail sector um, has suffered um, because of this, the unfavorable exchange rate, right. people shopping abroad, um, all that. Yeah, I just wanted to ask one question specifically on that front. So a couple of years ago, uh, or I, I don't know, it's, it's 2015 or 2014, uh, up for a while, Switzerland had had a uh, essentially a cap on how strong its currency was going to get against the euro. Then it released that cap, but as this example of the meat smuggling demonstrates, there's still massive overvaluation. Uh, It's still a major issue for the uh, country. How frustrating is this for the Swiss National Bank, this persistent overvaluation, this persistent flood of money into Switzerland from safe haven haven seekers? Like, How big of a uh, deal is that to the economy, or do they just sort of accept that that's part of the landscape? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. Um, You know, people have uh, gotten used to it and uh, people are, in fact, um, you know, for the banking sector, it can be a a positive. uh, It's an asset for the wealth managers to have such a a strong currency. On the other hand, um, the central bank also says that its, uh, you know, policy of negative rates is working, but, um, you know, that there are... uh, um, you know, and they're still uh, prepared to intervene in currency markets. You know, I hate to say it, Joe and Catherine, but this is all food for thought. Benchmark will be back next week when we'll crack another terrible joke. Until then, <laughs> you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more people can find us. And let us know what you thought. You can talk to and follow us on Twitter at Moss underscore Eco. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart. And Catherine, you are at? CB Swift. Easy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.